Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Kayvon Kay, and Kayvon is the creator of the One Call Closer Methodology, which helps companies close high-ticket sales. After training over 8,000 sales professionals, completing over 10,000 sales calls, and having 20 years selling, he's created a unique methodology specifically designed for high-value service providers who want a steady stream of high-ticket clients paying $5,000 to $60,000 for what they have to offer. I've asked him to join us here today so we can all understand how to play the phone sales game a little better. So, Kayvon, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Always a pleasure uh, to be here, Daryl. So, Thanks so much for having me on your on your show. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. We've uh, both have similar backgrounds, have overcome some similar obstacles. We were laughing about before the show. For the listeners here who don't really know you, can you talk about kind of how did you get started? Do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Did your parents get you into entrepreneurship? How did you even get into business? Yeah, no, I definitely don't come from an entrepreneurial uh, family, nor uh, kind of a business family. You know, my my dad actually was a factory worker. And my mom just worked as a, as a clerk, almost, you know, just kind of an assistant uh, all their lives. And growing up, things were scarce, right? We were kind of that meat and potatoes family. And uh, and I always had this burning desire that to that I knew that I was destined for more. It's just something that lived in me. But I, I didn't have direction. And I, again, I didn't have those parents to guide me. So by the time I was in grade one, they had written me off with ADD, ADHD, all the letters in the book, you can imagine. And by the time I was 20 years old in university, they told me I'd fail, uh, that I'd not even get past university, so I should just quit and go work at the factory uh, where my dad worked. Now, I never listened to the status quo because I always knew that I wasn't really part of status quo. You know, that round, a round peg and a square. I was that round peg. So through that, I, I, I looked for mentors. I saw what my friend's parents were doing who were business owners, and I saw what their life looked like. I saw the hard work, but I also saw the freedom. I saw the long hours, but I saw the vacations. 
And I knew that that was a life I wanted. I knew that I was not destined to sit in a job to be someone's, you know, someone's worker. And I knew that I wanted to build something bigger that was greater than me. So after 30 years of trying to do it, like I say, society's way or my parents' way, working in jobs, working the corporate, I had enough. Now, when I was 30, I had gra- I had just finished working with the largest pharmaceutical company in the world. I was the number one sales rep. I was working one day a week and earning a quarter plus million dollars a year, but yet I was miserable because no matter what, I was always on someone else's clock. So by the time I was 30, I said, this is it. There's ever going to be a moment in my life, there's ever going to be a change in my life, it has to happen now. So I took it. I pulled the plug, just left everything and went into entrepreneurship Boy, that was stupid. <laughs> that was not the smartest move I made. Well, you gotta get started. You don't have to get it right. You just have to get it going. Well, there you go. Let's say it again. You don't have to get it right. You gotta get it going. And that's what I did. I just got it going, and I made some, you know, mistakes. Trusted some wrong people. Uh, I ended up being one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt in less than a year. That's painful. And yeah, that's painful. Absolutely, going from making a quarter plus million to to you know being one hundred fifty k in debt. But even in that last moment when I was standing in the bank at line waiting to you know, wave the white flag, which thank God I never did, something came up. And I, and, and I remember always saying to myself, this, these are the moments that entrepreneurs fail. These are the moments when athletes don't go to the gym and that's why they never win the championship. I said, I cannot wave the white flag. I got to go home. I just got to get smarter. I got to be quicker. I, I got to think outside the box. And through a little bit of mentorship, I realized that when I went into the world of business, I was running away from my core genius. I thought I had to build a business, but it's not true. I actually just had to take my skill, which was sales, and put it into the world of business and create a business around that skill. Yes. yes. So that's what I did. That's what I did. So instead of trying to be a podcaster, which I tried, instead of trying to be an influencer, a speaker, a coach, a mentor, all this stuff, I just said, well, wait a minute. Why don't I just get back to what I do best? And that is close deals. So what happened was I was introduced to the world of high ticket sales. And this is where instead of being the influencer, I'm just closing, closing deals for the influencer. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, within four weeks, I'm losing 25K a month to earning 25k a month. Yeah. Month 2 was 35. By the time I was month 3, I was earning $50,000 a month. That's fantastic. And it's all because it was in line and congruent and even in harmony with who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to take a second to emphasize that for the listeners because it's you know, you hear that like you got to work on your weaknesses and no you don't in business. That's a terrible idea. You need to double no, down yeah. on your strengths and build a team of people who are strong where you are weak. That is the solution. Yes. When you look up entrepreneur yes. in the dictionary, it doesn't say the person who answers the phone, makes the sales, mops the floor, does the bookkeeping. It doesn't say that. It says the person who organizes a business or businesses. Keep word there is organizes. It's like if you have four t- friends that you know uh, they can do something together and you kind of set up an assembly line. And then because you organize it all, you get pay everybody. And at the end of the day, you get to keep what's left over. You know, like that's what a business is. A business is bringing a group of people together, leading them and training them and organizing them to achieve a goal. And then you, you know, you get people to pay for it and you get what's done. We get what to keep what's left over at the end of it. That's really it. It's, it's all a business is, is a group of people 
helping another group of people via a product or service. That's it. That's all a business. That's is. it. Yeah. yeah, that's at the core base of it. You're you're right there. There's there's a lot of gold you said in there. One of the things is leading mm-hmm. to a common goal, right? So you see a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs don't even know where they're going, yet they're trying to lead the troops there. Yep. You see a lot of people wanting to become a business owner, but they don't actually do what it takes to become a business owner. And the first step to becoming a business owner is taking that leap, yep. is taking that step into entrepreneurship or business or whatever that might be and actually doing the stuff you never thought you had to do speaking operating from levels you never thought you had to operate so you can finally become the man the woman you knew yourself to be yep yep and sales is such a critical background to that because nothing happens until a sale is made everything that happens everything that you do before i'm living in a new building construction in Vietnam right now and in Saigon and there are all these businesses that have opened up around us and there's no like there's no people here like all these there's like 15 empty buildings around us like like 20 story apartment buildings we're a group of four we are the only ones that are full and I'd say we're probably around 50% occupancy us four buildings the rest is area I mean I have Central Park like or their version in front of my house and it's great because there's nobody there and it's like they've got a gym like we get this, it's like we got this amazing facility built for us but it's that concept that like all the work you do before you have a buyer someone willing to pay you money for something it's all like prep work visionary work there's no guarantee of a payout you know that's no. where yeah so that's where well, we that's use. one yeah. thing see so i also got into a business where i'm where i can sell things before i have to build them right. that's where a lot a lot of entrepreneurs again and business owners and this is where a lot of service providers get yeah. it wrong they go out and get what is what's the first thing they do yeah they, they, work they get a bit they get a business card yeah and then yeah. they build webs and then they sit all day long trying to build the idea, but they never even sold it. Yep. Where yeah. I learned in my career was, no, you sell it before it's built because right. you don't know if the market's going to take to it. Yep. Yep. And you see that all the time. Even Amazon does it now. People pre-sell or you can pre-order copies of a book before the book is launched. You can pre-order products on Amazon before they're ready to launch. Like It happens all the time. You're based out of Canada. I'm from Canada. Good Life is a major gym there. And I saw them. This is one of the – it was a big eye-opening experience for me. In my, na- in my neighborhood where I grew up, Kingston, Ontario, they had like a trailer outside this building that was under construction. And it was like they were building the gym, but the trailer was actively signing people up now and i've seen twice where they've had that trailer in place and the construction going on and then suddenly this construction stopped and they didn't proceed and it was probably because they couldn't meet their pre-opening day membership goals so they just backed away from the project entirely and cut their losses versus we're gonna drive the whole thing yeah expect the people to come absolutely yeah 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 so that's so fantastic so Let's talk about some of the challenges that you've gone through in your career and how you overcame it. It sounds like you said before it was like trying to be everything to all people. You realize you're just good at sales, focus on selling. Uh, what about in that? Is there like we kind of glossed over too that you were the top performing sales rep for a pharmaceutical company working one yeah, day a so week? I was work- yeah, so I was working with the largest pharmaceutical company uh, globally here in Canada, and I grew to become the number one sales rep. And before that, I've always said, you know, I kind of joke, I think I came out of my mom's womb selling. And the reason I say that is because when I was in grade one and they were telling me I'm not good enough, I was always selling myself why I'm different. Hmm. When I was great, when I was in grade 10 and they were all bullying me and telling me I wasn't good enough and I was too stupid, I was telling them how great I was going to be. I I always felt like I was always selling myself. 
So I only ever really looked at sales kind of jobs, sales positions, because that's kind of where I am. Again, now I look back, that's where my genius was. That's mm. what I was to be. I, salespeople are performers, mm. right? They, they're creative. Right. And that's what I am. I'm not supposed to sit there and take order. I'm supposed to there. I'm supposed to create and influence and inspire and motivate and get people from where they are to where they want to be and be the bridge. That's what I do. I just do that naturally. And I love it. Now, what I did was I just perfected that. I studied. I went to work. I mastered the craft so that I could be the man I am today so that I can pick up the phones, get on stage, speak one on one and be able to not. It's not about selling someone the product because the product, product services, it's whatever that is. To me, what I do, so today in my teaching is I teach people how selling is the successful transference of energy and connection, period. Mm. So where do you see most people, what, what are the most common mistakes that you see people making? Oh, I love it. It's easy. They act like a typical salesperson. What does that mean? They over they they uh, oversell. They they promise. They use enthusiasm. They use excitement. They justify their value. They talk about all their products and features, the benefits, instead of the service and outcomes. They act like literally typical salesperson. Think about the used car salesperson downtown. Come on downtown, buy one get two free. That's not what sales is about, especially in the form of high ticket. And high ticket sales, it's not about being loud and enthusiastic. It's not about justifying your value or chasing or trying to please your customer. It's about authority. It's about asking the right question, diagnostics. So I always say a, a true salesperson is exactly like a doctor. We right. ask the questions. We come from authoritative place. We, we create boundaries and containers around our relationship so that I can see where you are. Because a lot of prospects, and you know this, they lie to us. Mm-hmm. They don't tell us everything. So it's our job. to You see prospects hold their poker cards close to their chest. So it's our job as closers, as salespeople, to make sure that we're not listening to what they're saying. We're listening to what they're not saying. Now, I love this. Let's dive in on this a little bit. So you said diagnostics, and I think I love that because I always say prescription without diagnosis is malpractice in medicine. So I'm going to say that again, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice, which means if you are a doctor and someone walks into your office and you're like, hey, get these pills, they're fantastic, but you haven't diagnosed they need those pills first, you will lose your license and your ability to lose medicine. People do that all the time in sales, I think is what you're saying. They don't ask well, questions. They don't ask the right questions, right? They don't just... They, because they're so focused. So see, salespeople do the talking. Closers ask the right questions. Ooh, wait, the wait. Say that, again. Say that again. Say that again. Salespeople do all the talking. Closers ask the right questions. Mm. The less you talk, the more you sell. Now that's I tell people intuitive. That's very selling or closing. Selling or closing is 80% listening, 20% speaking but that 20 percent speaking isn't like claptrap and this and that it's actually 20 percent of asking the right questions so we can get to the problem because once i understand what the problem is now i can identify authentically 
if I have the solution or not, if my product or service can solve this person's problem. Because if it can't, it is my duty and it's my job and obligation to find the bridge for them. Mm. Because business is built on long-term relationships. Yes. People do business with people they like, period. I love Let it. me actually tell you a story why I say that, because I'll never forget it. When I had my very first sales retail job, and it was for a ski and snowboard uh, company, and I only got it through a connection, so I already had kind of the job, but they wanted to interview me. And I came in, and I was that hotshot salesperson, sit down, shake the guy's hand, tell him how great I'm going to be, tell him I'm going to be the number one salesperson, you need me, blah, 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 I'm going to kick ass, this is going to be great. The owner didn't say a word. He let me talk, just bullshit talk, for 20 minutes. And all he did was write on a piece of paper, and I saw him write it. He wrote a piece of paper, and he slid it across the table. I picked it up, and I so I stopped talking, and I just looked down. And all it said was, people do business with people they like. I looked up. He said, I'll see you tomorrow at 5 p.m. Biggest learning I've ever got was in that moment. I was so embarrassed and mortified, but I was so also so grateful and honored that I now found my first mentor. I found someone who instilled right there gold that I can now take for the rest of my life. And if you read any book, if you know anything about energy, friendships, connections, family, you only do business, you only trust people you like. You trust people that create a safe environment for you to make decisions. You see, salespeople don't make the environment safe. They make it all about them. Closers, we make it about our prospect. It's not about me. It's not about my commission. It's about the mission. Let's dive in on this because this is, this is good. So how, like, all right, what are the questions to ask or that aren't being asked? All right, so it's more of how do we get there? Okay. So we know that there's three levels of pain. There's surface pain, there's financial business financial pain, and then there's personal pain. You see, a lot of salespeople, you know, the average, they ask questions on that first level, the surface level. Oh, tell me about your business. Why is the business not working? Oh, what's the one thing that you can change your business that we can fix to help you make more money? That's all surface level. Financial level, the deeper, is as a result of your marketing not working or your sales team not closing enough and or operations not doing their job, where is it affecting your business financially? How are you actually paying bills right now? How long has this been going on? And most important, how long can you keep going like this before you run out of business? Mm. Why haven't you fixed this? The one thing I know is business is a direct reflection of the operator. So where else is finance is not working for you? Right. Now, let's talk about the third pain. Personal. As a result of the marketing not working, as a result of the salespeople not closing, as a result of the operations not doing their job, and or you had a bad failure mar uh, product launch, or the market's in, in a lull, and you're not generating the income and the revenues you need to be able to pay your staff, 
Did you ever think you'd, your business would ever get to this kind of level? How's that affecting you at home with your personal life, with your kids, with your wife? Where is this stopping you personally from being so great that you feel so pinned down by everything that's not working that you can't even see the clarity of what can work? So you're really, really expanding on the implications of the situation they're in and of not doing something. We're really expanding on the fact that we're going to deep dive into where they really are. Because if all we do is just talk about that surface level business, the surface level pain, we'll never be able to make a real connection. We'll never be able to create, remember, transference of energy and connection. I will not be able to connect with them if I'm staying on the surface. Mm-hmm. I got to go deep with them. I got to I got to know where they are, what their true pains are, how they're really feeling, because only then then I can make that diagnostic, as we talked about qualify okay here's where you are here's where we want to go here are the steps that we need to take aka if it's a service or here's the problem here's the product you need that's going to fix your problem to give you the solution you desire Mm -hmm. it's not about how great the product is so here's a perfect example i tell people i can sell you anything you want i don't care what you do how you do it the only thing i need to know what is the result of your product or service and does it actually work yes or no other than that i can sell it because it doesn't matter how there it only matters that we do get there obviously as long as it's ethical and all that i'm not talking about yeah because you can't you can't sell garbage yeah just as a disclaimer if anybody sleazy is on this call we we talk a lot about the marketing and sales part of this because we assume that the product is good because you're, I mean, it's it's just too transparent. The people can post on Facebook in a second and get recommendations and find out good or bad. You know, so you you have to. We assume your qual your product or service has to be quality. Well, well, it doesn't have to be the best, but it does need to be quality. Well, it, it really does. It, it needs to provide an actual solution, not something you think provides. I'm talking proven results. Right. I won't work with anybody unless they're proven. Yep. I will not pick up something. And, and number one, I won't even sell anything that I don't believe in. Yep. Because in any call, in any relationship, in any safety of an environment, in any transference of feeling of energy, of connection, you have to have clarity, you have to have certainty, and you have to have conviction. If I am not clear on where I'm going or what I'm selling, if I'm not certain that my product, my service will solve this problem, my diagnostic will solve this problem, so now I can give the right medication and you're cured now in next two weeks, and I don't have the conviction that I made the right choice, how could you as a buyer ever believe or have the conviction or the clarity or the certainty in yourself to spend with me? Mm-hmm. to invest into what I got offering. It just doesn't work. You see, a lot of people think it's about closing the prospect. It's not. You have to be closed first, or the prospect will never be closed. Mm. You have to believe in your product more than you believe in yourself. You have to be, here is my three criterias. When I'm picking up services, or if I'm working with someone or consulting with them, or I'm helping people sell other people's services, I write them down. These are the three. Would I buy it myself? 
if I was in need? Would I be comfortable charging double for the product and still sell it? So if a product's $10,000, would I be comfortable selling it at $20,000 because I know it brings 10 times the value? And number three, would I sell it to my family or my mother? And if I can't answer those three with a solid yes, I can't ethically sell the product because I will not be successful at selling it no matter how great my skills are because if I don't believe in it, if I'm not, if I don't have the awareness and the energy of all things conviction in that, I can't sell it. I'll be good, but I won't be great. And I don't like being good. I like being great. Right. That's powerful because that gets to a deeper issue of it, like a foundational issue. If you can say yes to those things, like one, if it's something you would buy yourself, you already intrinsically see the value. So then you know that what you're talking about has has merit. If you're comfortable charging double and still selling it, then you know that the price you're asking is, is a good deal. So you feel like, all right, this is something I value myself. I've got a good deal. Would I sell it to my family or my mother? Now it's like, you know, do you believe in either the reputation of the company, the client? Do you believe the reliability of it, right? Is it maybe you would buy it yourself, but, you know, maybe it's got like a one in five chance of working. Well, would you, you know, would you take that risk with your family, your friends, your mom, right? I think that that's a really good litmus test uh, for something that you might might want to offer. I really like that. I want to ask a question. You had said that like a lot of people think it's about closing on the product or service, but it's not. And I, I want to try to clarify that and see if my understanding is correct. It's not so much about closing because when you can establish the need and, and really connect with the potential lead, they close themselves. Is that kind of it? Like if you can really get Hunter, that- you nailed it. I never ask for the sale. I always ask, where should we go? Where, what would you like to see happen next? I don't say, let's get this done. You see, that's the hardcore, you know, and I say it the, the American way, which is great. Like, it works. It's a numbers game. That's a hardcore sale, sale. Let's get it done. Come on, man. Sign here, here, and here. Objection, objection, objection. That works on low ticket. But when you're talking about 10, 15, 20, 50,000, 60,000, $100,000, you cannot sell like that. You cannot make. Here's the fundamental. People don't like to be sold. Yeah. But they love to buy. They don't want to be sold, but they love to buy. So you have to ask the questions to make them buy the decision from you. Right. And the way you do that is by the diagnostic, is by acting like the doctor, by by finding the problem, by finding the solution with them connecting the product or service to that and for them to say this is what i want this is what i need when you say something it means something but when they say something it means everything right so if i say oh your business isn't working and you're failing man okay but when they say cave on yeah my business isn't working and it's failing and i'm failing as a business owner and i'm failing as a husband and to be honest with you, I feel like I'm feeling as a father, there's there's a lot more power behind that. A lot more power. I love it. Love it. So what's the process? Like, I guess, is there, I mean, you've got the methodology. So is there a high-level overview of this approach? 
Yes. So what I do, and again, where my genius is, is I sell the services, their products, and high ticket, and I sell them over the phone. Because what I do know about sales is when the marketing's done right, the sales is easy. Mm-hmm. I don't like speaking to anybody unless they're 80% or more sold, or I'm wasting time. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not going to be a traditional salesperson, then I'm not going to be talking about my products and features. I'm not going to be trying to chase them. My marketing should already be doing that. And the world we live in through automation of email, through funnels, through Facebook, I mean, all of this stuff we have, you can clearly understand what you're buying before you buy it. So when they speak to me, it's not me selling them what my offer is. It's, again, me asking them why they think the offer will work for them. So I set people up to book a call with me. Because if I call you, Daryl, that makes me a salesperson. Uh-huh. But when you book with me and I pick up the phone, that now makes me the expert. Uh-huh. So it's it's authoritative positioning right out of the gate. So outreach makes you salesperson, but inbound makes you the expert. How do you set up a team to generate inbound requests? How do I set up a team to generate well, inbound? Or how do you set up, like if you work with a client and they've got something, say they're even a chiropractor or something. Uh, maybe that's, I don't know if that's a good example. Some chiropractors are high. I mean, I know I pay my. Well, I mean, think about this. Even a chiropractor though, does a chiropractor call you or do you call up a chiropractor and book a call with them? Right. And book your so the doctor stuff, that's exactly like does make sense because that's exactly what we try to instill. Now, you're not going to get it all the time, right? Like in some businesses, they're just not going to book with you. I get it. Sometimes you got to call them. That's okay. You can also change that right around. You can call them, but not sell them on the first call. Call them to ask them questions to see where they're at so you can set up that second call with authority. Mm. Right. See, everyone's just trying to get to the sale. See, if you're focused on the sale, I say to people, if you're focused on the sale and you're good at sales, you'll be good. But if you focus, again, on the mission, if you focus on the service, if your foundation is sound, you will be great. But if your foundation is weak, the mindset, so the mindset, I don't believe in my product. Oh, I just care about the sale. Their awareness level. I don't even know who I'm really talking about. I don't know my product. I don't know. I don't have conviction. When all of that is weakened, you cannot build a strong long-term business or even long-term sales cycle. You see, this is the reason why most salespeople are, are what I call are like roller coasters. They're up. They're down. They're all around, but they're never consistent. The ones that are great are consistent and persistent. Entrepreneurs, the ones that have discipline, they have integrity, and they're committed to their chief aim, they're the ones that get far in life because they don't expect it to happen overnight. They're not trying to hit home runs every time. They just want to get the first base every day. So let's talk about some of the habits. You mentioned discipline, and I think that that's – I'm a huge believer for daily rituals and routines and disciplines – so what are some of the habits? Like I know that a really key fundamental to sales in general is having lead flow, deal flow. Like if you don't have new people to talk to coming through the door, you're you're going to choke on nothingness. Like you like there's just no one there to talk to to get feedback well, on. So Yeah, well it's over. It's like someone shut off the taps. 
You see this. You know where you see this. You see this always in a lot of service-based industries. And you see this, again, like I always use because I used to train mortgage brokers and real estate agents. And I used to say, and I used to see this. So come January, they come after, you know, what do they do in December, right? They what? They worked half as much and they spent twice as much. Right. So we come into January, salespeople, we get our visa bills and we're like, ah, oh my God, we got to what? We got to start doing the one thing that gets us busy, prospecting. Mm -hmm. That's it prospecting so we go out there we start picking up the phones we start dialing we start prospecting we start generating business then we get our business slowly starts to grow then we get to a level where we stop doing the one thing that got us busy which is prospecting but we say things to ourselves like that's okay i got contracts going i got a deal going i got to meet my guy for lunch here life's great and then what naturally happens is we get a little bit more growth in the business because now all those deals all those lunches are turning into business until we wake up one day and it's a Wednesday afternoon and we realize and we look around and go, what do I got to do today? And all of a sudden it's over. It's like nothing. And what we say to ourselves is what? Well, anyone who's worked as hard as I have in the last two to three months deserves a, a break. Mm -hmm. So we go off to Vegas, we go off to Cancun, we spend our commission check and then we come back and we're right back where we were in January. Ah! And we do that, and that's a, that's the sales cycle. That's a sales roller coaster. And at the end of the year, real estate agents are like, I don't want to be a real estate agent anymore. I'm going to be a mortgage broker. And mortgage brokers are like, I want to be a real estate agent. And the whole problem is, is we're not being consistent. We're not being persistent. We're not disciplined. If you don't have the top of your funnel always filled, you will run out of business. Yes. It's not about the bottom funnel. The bottom's great because that's where the money is. That's where the ego hangs out. That's where the service is. But the top is where the longevity lasts. As long as you're always filling the top of your funnel, you will never go out of business. Most people don't like it. They don't like picking up the phone. They don't like prospecting. They don't like sitting down long enough with their marketing team to figure out how can we be great. How can we be better to drive more leads? So the number one habit is daily, consistent prospecting. Speaking to people every day, getting your always, always getting yourself out there. I mean, nowadays with social media and advertising, it's so easy to do it. It's just most people don't do it because it takes time. Yep. It's not sexy. It's not fun. Yep. So what's the next habit? The first habit is to every day to be prospecting, reaching out, connecting with people, asking questions, just talking, just conversing. It might feel like you're not being productive because it sounds like you're just like, you're just socializing, right? You're just meeting new people and, hey, what's up? Wanted to reach out. It's not. I, I, I want to make sure it's not just socializing. It's connecting with intent. Okay, good. So that's not just socializing. It's connecting with intent, right? So for me... I get in trouble every time I say this, but I, I'm going to say it is I don't spend my present moment or my present time with people I don't have a future with. Mm. Now, it might sound rude or arrogant, but it's not. It's I know where I'm going. I know who I want in my court. I know who I want to play with in my ecosystem. And I don't have time for anybody that doesn't fit that. Because I know that my energy represents who I am. My environment becomes who I am. And if I let if I let those containers down of who I want in my environment, it can get toxic. And when my environment gets toxic, we go all the way to the beginning of my core steps. You lose your mindset. Your mindset goes to shit. 
You start, you come from that scarce place instead of the abundant place. You come from a place of always having to be right instead of willing to be wrong. You lose awareness of where you are and now your energy's gone. Mm. Connection gone. So that's why I say the foundation, having the mindset for success, having the awareness of who you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, how you show up in the world, how you connect to different types of personalities. And through all of that, how you stay authentic to who you are. Because here's the best thing. When you're an entrepreneur or even a salesperson and you come from a complete authentic place, you don't have any competition. Because nobody can be you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, connecting with intent every day, doing something to connect with more people, follow up with leads, I guess, be prospecting, seeing who's interested in, and is headed in the same direction you are. Absolutely. I love what you said, following up with leads. I see a lot of people. Well, even business owners, they make the mistake that they go, oh, man, we got to do follow-up today. They spend the whole day doing follow-up. And then they never do follow-up for a whole month. And they go back and no. If all you did was spend 15, 20 minutes on follow-up each and every single day, you'll put an extra zero, extra zeros on your business, mm-hmm. on your bottom line, guaranteed. Because mm-hmm. we know 80% of all the sales is in the follow-up. Yeah. But most people don't even do the follow-up. Because, yeah. again, it's not fun. It's scary. It's hard. Well, tough luck. Anything worth having doesn't come easy. That's why most people don't have it. Yeah. So you got to be willing to roll up the sleeves. You got to be willing to start saying the things you want to do and start doing things that don't you don't want to do, so you can have a life and live a life that most people will never have. Yeah. But you got to be willing. I have a great example for that uh, in database in the power of databases. I one of my earlier businesses was a martial arts school and that's when I really got into building lists and databases and following up with people and. Last year, I think it was seven years, eight years after this guy joined my list, never bought, never bought for me, ever. Came in and did a trial class when I had my martial arts school seven, eight years ago. Last year, signed up as a client and now to date has paid me close to $20,000. There you go. But that was seven, eight years of emails and you know all that. So it's like people buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. Yes, you don't try to take the prospect down the sales journey where you want them. You got to meet them where they are at their sales journey. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like, it. and and so a lot of ways selling isn't so much in. It's people miss up selling and the fact of it's like I'm going to go out and I'm going to sell. It's like I'm going to go out and dig a ditch. Like you go out and you dig that ditch. Whereas in selling, it's really you're going to go out and connect with intent to see who wants something. You can't really there force it to anyone. Yeah. You're going to go out selling again, if we know, is the successful transfers of energy and connection. So I know that when I go out to the world, when I'm on the pro- when I'm here sitting with you right now, my only intent is to give service. My only intent is to no matter what happens in this hour that we're on the phone, to be as authentic as I possibly can, to be the true cave on. Because I know in the world someone's listening right now and is going to resonate with me. I know some people won't resonate with me, and I'm okay with that. I, I hope that I've given you value. I hope you get one nugget that changes your life. If it doesn't, I've done my best. When I go to bed at night, I want to make sure that I know that I was committed to my day. I was disciplined to my day. I had integrity. I created connections and relationships. I wanted to make sure that I know my energy was in line and in harmony with who I am and who I want to become. 
not who I was. And I'm not attached to the man I was yesterday because I'm too busy building the man I am today. You see, a lot of people don't get to where they want to go, Daryl. And again, in sales and business, in life, with relationships and sports, is because they're so damn attached to the person they've been. Hmm. And if you want to get to that next level, you got to be willing to do it at, at the risk of everyone's disapproval. You see, when I decided to take that leap when I was 30, I, I was letting my parents down in their eyes. I was letting my friends down. I was letting myself down of the man I was. But I was willing to die of any form of the man I was so that I can birth the man I was becoming. Mm-hmm. And I had to do it alone. You see, a lot of people want to do it with their friends. They want to do it with their family, and you can't. No. You can't. You don't. You don't have. You can't give what you don't have. Yeah, and people. You want, you, yeah. people don't like change. They don't. They don't want to see you change. They like. They want to keep things the way they are. It's comfy. They feel superior to you in some ways, or they just things are predictable. People like that. You start doing crazy things. That's when we put like that's we put people in psychiatric care when they seem inconsistent with who they think who we think they are. Yeah. No shit, yeah, that's right. I, I, I like that. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's crazy. So as you're talking there, I was just thinking, you know, I'm like, a lot of people think sales is all about tactics and strategies and, and trying to have one up on this person. And I don't look at sales like that. Like, I don't think that's what really sales is. And that's why my goal, my job is to change the universal belief of how people look at selling. And it isn't selling, selling's connecting. And in, yeah. in order to connect, we have to care. I care about you. I'm not thinking about strategies of how I can win. I'm not thinking about using my tonality and my inflection this way, and then I get to speak to you this way so I can get money out of you. When I'm connecting with you, I'm just being my best self. I'm being authentic to myself, and I'm genu- like I'm actually wanting to know how I can help you, how I can serve you. Yep. And I'm okay with the fact that if I can't, it's not... It's I can't save everybody and I sure as hell can't close everybody because yeah. I'm not here to close everybody. I'm here to close the right somebody because when you close the right people, that's when you get results. When you close bad clients or bad people, that's when things become poison. That's when the energy starts to become disrupted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would say with service providers, especially when you're starting out, it's about client selection. In order to be effective, you must be selective. Hey, Daryl, are you selective of who comes onto your podcast? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Why? Well, because I've been burned. I, in the beginning, I think the first 20, 30 episodes I did were all people I already knew, liked, and trusted. But I had a couple people refer others that I didn't necessarily know and have previous experience with. And I do the interview, and at the end of the recording... I'd be like, I just wasted an hour of my life. There's no way I'm sharing this with the world. I remember there's some guy that was supposed to be like a LinkedIn expert. Maybe he really was, but it was like nails on. Like I wasn't even in the call. I was on my phone. I was like, because he just he. It was like a. It was like a gag. Like, is there a hidden camera? Like he was just so not interesting and and monotonous to talk to. And so I was like, I need to. I need to filter these people out. Save my time, and I don't want to publish stuff like that. So now it's always a two-step process. You know, like we did. We we meet, we talk, we chat, sniff each other out, then we do the interview after. And that's how business is done. Yeah. Because we now what created a relationship. Yeah. This wasn't a transactional this was not a transactional service or product. If it was transactional, we would have gone on the podcast today and we would have got off. Yeah. 
But because we're building a relationship, we started this actual relationship. Hey, when did we start this relationship? 2016. Yeah. Yeah, that was so funny to see. Yeah, so for those that are here listening, Kayvon was introduced to me as a, as a possible podcast guest. And we did the, the typical meet and greet and we chatted. And then we said, okay, this feels good. You know, I've checked out your background. I feel good about this. We've talked. I feel like, you know, because you can, I can always tell. You get on the phone with people, you ask about detail stuff. They always get fuzzy around the nuts and bolts if they're not really in it, you know, if they don't really have the know-how. And then after we connected on Facebook and you'd actually sent me a message years ago, 2016. So it is about building relationships. And I think that's a really good takeaway for people. I don't profess to be a sales expert, so Kayvon, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a big takeaway for people here is to realize that it's really, you just need to grow your personal network. You need to be specific about the types of people you're trying to grow your network of. Like, what you know, like, again, if, if you were trying to sell a, a product, a hormonal product for women with menopause, I'm not a good pro- prospect. So you wouldn't want to build your network by adding me to it, right? You would be want to connect with better intent of who you're connecting with and why you're connected with them. But then you can't force anyone to do anything they don't want to do. So then it's about talking and seeing, like, who's in pain right now? Who's struggling? Who needs help? And then having conversations with them about that in a way that creates a safe environment where they don't feel that you're trying to sell them anything or push them to do something. You're just kind of talking about the problem and the implications of this problem on them and try to almost like like a mentor, like a coach, you know, like a stern but loving parent, encourage them like, hey, then you should really do this. Look, this is the time to act now. This is why you should do it now and do it that way. And that you'll have greater success just being better at the connecting, the prospecting phase and the filtering phase and not worry about the closing so much. The, the, the right people will close themselves. If you're better at exactly. filling the top end of the funnel and filtering people, the people will close themselves because they've just already feel recognized, validated, and not pressured. Everything was bang on except when you were talking about getting them to be like, oh, this is the time right now. We got to do this. No, we don't tell them it's the time right now to do this. They tell us it's the time to do it. We ask the question, so when is a good time, do you think, to fix this problem? But we don't say it's now. Because if they don't claim it, they will never use it. If they don't see that they have a problem and claim that they have a problem and claim that they want to fix it, no matter what I teach them, no matter what I give them, it will not work for them. And I'm not here to just sell service and products. I'm here to create an environment for transformation. You see, at the end of the day, I know we're coming to an end here, people don't buy products, people don't buy services. Yes, people do buy people, and people like people, but beyond and deeper than that, people are buying and are looking for a better version of themselves. Mm. I love that. If they don't claim it, they don't use it, and I think that's really powerful because that's like recently working on a deal, someone had kind of claimed something, but they wanted to check in with their team. So instead of letting playing the telephone game, I went and contacted the members of their team to prep their team that this person was going to come forward with this idea to make sure that they at least under, understood, like knew about it and knew why it was being, why it was on the table and all that sort of stuff. And none of it was about they need to do it now and blah, blah, blah. It was really just informing them. So when they do talk, they can claim it themselves. And when they came back to me, they came back to me with four reasons why they should buy from me. 
and I had only talked to him originally about one. Like, you should get this because it would be great. Like, I was, well, it sounds like I was pushing on it. But when we first talked about it, it was for one specific application. But then after when they met and a week later they talked together as a team and came back, they had four different applications for this thing. So I think that that's a really, really powerful thing if they don't claim it. And so it's not so much what you say, it's what they hear and feel. And well, remember, again, it goes to uh, it, when you say something, it means something. But when they say something, it means everything. Right. And that's exactly what we mean by that, right? When they say it, they claim it. When yep. they say it, they feel it. Yep. And when they feel it, it now becomes emotional. Mm. And that's what's going to motivate and them to people buy. People don't buy on logic. They buy an emotion, and then they think about the logic after. Yep. Yeah, because logically, we're killing the planet. Logically, we're pumping like gigatons of, of feces into the oceans, which is where we get our food from. But that's logic, but no one's really seeing it. So they just, there's no emotion, so we don't really fix it. It's not really a problem because we don't, logically, it's a big problem, but, you know, only select pockets are feeling it right now. I get that. I don't know if that was a good analogy or not. For no, 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 absolutely. You're right. No, it's, it's good it's, for me because right. I was in Hanoi, Vietnam, and after being there for two weeks, the air quality is, there's a scale. The UK is a quality scale of one to 10. One is clean, 10 is the worst the scale goes. And when I was in Hanoi, the air quality was 10 out of 10 basically all day every day i spent a lot of time outdoors with my dog my girlfriend my daughter training and after two weeks i was like i thought i was on my deathbed i couldn't figure out what happened and it was all the air pollution so i'm very motivated about that now but when i talk to other people they don't have the emotion because they didn't have that experience and so exactly. that's like what you're saying you have to have your prospects have the experience and that's almost where you have to foreshadow a bit like some of the questions that i thought were really good that you brought up were like as a result of this how where is it affecting you you know, financially and how long has this been bothering? Like how long has this been a problem? And then what I love was the other one is how long can this continue to go on? What will your life look like in five years if you don't fix this? You know, and now you're foreshadowing and they're like, wow, I got to do something now. Like that train is coming. I'm, you know, wow. And now they appreciate you because you, you've, you've helped them. You haven't forced them anything. You know, you, you just, you're helping them think through a, a problem that they have. And I'm just creating an environment where they're not being judged because they're not going to do this with friends and their families and their business owners. Mm -hmm. So I create an environment where they're not being judged and they can actually look at their problem at a deeper level because everyone's so damn busy nowadays. We don't stop and ask the questions. Mm -hmm. We keep going, we keep going, we keep going. So I create the environment where they can stop, they can ask the questions and see what's really holding them back. Because my job, my duty, my obligation isn't to close them, it's to serve them. Hmm. It's to give them an opportunity to be better, to be quicker, to be more effective, to be more efficient. So, Whatever that might be, it's my job. Where would you recommend somebody start? So if someone's listening to this call right now and they're, you know, they're dialing for dollars, but they feel like they're hitting walls or they're struggling, where do you recommend they start? Like, where's the well, starting path of fixing this? Well, the starting path fixing this is I, because I'm in, you know, in a world of service right now, I've created my own little private Facebook group for free, no charge, called Master the Art of High Ticket Sales. And what I want to do is if you're in that kind of position, I want you to come to, the, to that Facebook group, which is, again, Master the Art of High Ticket Sales, and you're going to ask your questions. And this group is here to support you. I'm part of this group. I'm here to support you. Because unless we really know where you are, we're not going to really be able to give you where you want to go, get you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. So 
in order to for this to happen, you have to show up as well. So if you want me to be committed, you got to be committed. You got to be committed to your growth. You got to be committed to asking the right questions. When you ask the right questions, I will give you the answers you need. Mm, so well said. So again, it's a Facebook group called Master the Art of High Ticket Sales. Is that correct? That's it. And if they want to make it easier, if you go to kayvon.com, K-A-Y-V-O-N.com, you can also get connected through there. Excellent. So, Kayvon, now where do you see the future of sales going? Like, where is this going to be? Are we still going to be doing phone sales five, ten years from now? Is this going to change? Or is, is there going to be some new magic button that's going to convince people to start buying versus the, what's worked you know, well, until now or what? Well, that magic button's already there. It's called Amazon. <laughs> but the reality is this is, again, those are low-ticket items. But at a certain price, people want to speak to people. Mm-hmm. At, at a certain price, negotiations have to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I, here, here's what I know. Robots are great. Machines are great. But in 10 years from now, there's only going to be two different worlds. A world where machines are controlling people. And the world where people are controlling the machines. And when you have skills, high income skills, like closing, you can influence, you can connect, you can emote, you can build and stay in integrity. Machines will never replace that. Mm. So well said. Kevon, this has been a great action-packed value call. People may want to go back and listen again if they haven't been taking notes. And even if they have, just to help make sure it really sinks in. I want to be respectful of your time. You've told people how to connect with you if they want to follow up. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I'm. You've asked everything I could ask for. You've given me an hour of your time and you know airtime with you and your audience. So I want to just say how grateful I am and thankful that uh, that I can be here with you. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. I, I think this is a real win-win-win, which is one of my criteria before I get on the show with someone. Is this something? Am I personally interested in their subject matter? You know, do they have the, do they have the goods? And three, how will my audience benefit from it? So I think this was a great call. All right. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I have more I want to ask, but honestly, I, I, I mean, it's a bit of a pitch, but I still think it'd be best to ask, be in the Facebook group to get into details. So I might just go and post there. So anyone that's interested in having more questions or connecting with Kayvon, uh, please go check out. Is it the the art of high ticket sales? Master the, the art. Ma- the master the art of high ticket sales in Facebook. Just do a search in Facebook. Make sure you click on groups. Check out Kayvon in there. Clearly, he's got the goods. He's also a fellow Canadian, so nothing but respect. <laughs> um, I love it. Kayvon, thank you for coming and joining us today. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. 
and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.